Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. We're starting a new series today called Rooted, and let's just go ahead and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that as the word is sown into our hearts today, that you would water it by your spirit and you would make it uh, germinate and take root in our lives and that we would grow up and mature and bear much fruit. Lord, I pray today that our hearts would be that good soil, that we would have ears to hear, that we would listen to what you're saying to us today, that when we walk out of these doors today, we would be empowered and equipped to build your kingdom on the earth in the name of Jesus. Amen? Deep inside every follower of Jesus is this desire to make an impact in the world. We want to see the power of God working in us, obviously, to transform and change our own lives, but we want to see the power of God working through us to change the world around us, to bring the hope of Jesus to a broken world. Amen? And this desire to make an impact is not our own idea. It's not my idea. It's God's idea. So we want to make an impact, but I think another way of saying that in terms of like agriculture, in the terms of that we see here in the scripture even, is that we want to bear fruit. We want to bear fruit. That's exactly the way that Jesus put it. He said that he chose us and he appointed us to bear fruit. John chapter 15, verse five, this is what he said here. Jesus said that I am the vine, you are the branches, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And if we skip down to verse 16 right there, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then your calling and your destiny are to be fruitful. Fruit's not just a bunch of spiritual or religious activity. Fruit is not just showing up to church. Fruit is not just reading your Bible. Fruit is not just, well, I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments. That's not the fruit. Fruit means this, that when people taste your life, they taste Jesus. If you're grafted into Jesus, who is the vine, and we're grafted into him as a branch, then he, Jesus said that your life should produce evidence that when people come into contact with you, they go, mm, that tastes like Jesus. Mm. And not only are we chosen and appointed to produce fruit, but Jesus said that we were to produce much fruit, and not only much fruit, but fruit that lasts that remains. So there's a difference, how many of you know there's a difference between some fruit and much fruit? There's a difference there. God's plan for your life is not small, it's not weak, it's not puny. 
God is not just satisfied with you just squeaking by or barely getting by with minimal results, with minimal fruit. He actually expects much. And so if that's God's expectation, then I want my expectation to meet his, then I want to expect much. The question is this, how much do you think that you can become like Jesus and know him? How much do you expect? How much do you think that you can know him and become like him? How much do you think that you can show Jesus to the world around you? That's what he wants for you and even more than you want. He wants you to bear fruit beyond what you could ask or think. That's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3. So there's also a difference between much fruit and fruit that will last. God doesn't want just temporary results. He's in the business of lasting change, permanent change. He's not looking for you to just bear fruit for like a month or bear fruit for, you know, a year of your life. Well, man, that one year of my life, man, I was really bearing fruit for Jesus. Well, that's great, but that's not enough. Well, that, that decade, that, I remember, man, a couple decades ago, man, God was really using me, but maybe not so much now. No, God wants you to bear fruit. He's, he's called you to be something. He's called you to do something. He's looking for your life to impact a lifetime. He's looking for your life to make an impact on your generation, for this generation to be feeling the impact that you're making and the generation after you and into eternity. Abundant, enduring fruitfulness is God's plan for your life. Lasting fruitfulness in your life is the key to seeing your family saved. It's the key to see your city impacted. It's the key to seeing our culture shaped. Jesus said to pray this way, that his kingdom would come from heaven to earth. Well, how does he do that? He does it through us, his people, bearing much fruit that lasts. Abundant, enduring fruitfulness happens only when we remain in him. That's what Jesus said. Now, I want to go back to this verse that we saw here in in that little video. Psalm chapter 1. And in verse 1, this is what... The psalmist said, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. Now that word law is not really translated in the Hebrew as just like the Torah. It has a little bit more of a bigger meaning there. He's talking about just the teachings of God, the ways of God, the ways of the Lord. And and it says, They delight in the law of the Lord, the ways of the Lord, and they're meditating on it day and night. Now, when I think of meditating, I think of just taking time, being still, being quiet, and thinking about and meditating on the Scripture, the goodness of God, whatever it is. I'm meditating on that. But that word meditating, again, in the Hebrew, doesn't really mean that. It means that you are saying it out loud to yourself. So those that delight in the ways of God, we're saying the ways of God, we're saying the teachings of God, we're meditating on it, we're saying it out loud to ourselves. 
and to whoever else is around us. And what's the result? What's the result of those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night? The result is they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. How many of you want to bear fruit each season? Wonderful. I'm glad that six or seven of you do. And they uh, leaves, their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Let me ask you, how many of you want to prosper in all you do? Praise God. Everything that God's called me to do, I want to prosper in it. I want him to get the glory. I want his kingdom to be built. Now everybody say this with me. Say, roots before fruits. Say it one more time. Now, I think we all know that that's the, the way of nature. It's the, the way of God's creation. It's the way that he established plant life. Things take root before they grow fruit. But our culture doesn't understand this. Our culture thinks uh, that, that we just want results, but we don't want to do the dirt work. God's plan is for you to produce much fruit that lasts. And in order for you to do that, you first have to be planted. You've got to be planted, and then you've got to do the work of developing a strong root system. Develop the roots, then will come the fruits. Question, what does it mean to be planted? What does it mean to be planted? It means that I'm committed. I'm committed to the process. It means I'm not going to go anywhere just because things get tough. I'm not leaving just because, well, this, doesn't, this is not as exciting anymore. I'm going to endure the change of seasons because I'm planted. Too many believers, they, one season, they're fruitful. Ooh, this is good. And another season comes, and it's like, man, I don't want to transplant. I want to uproot and transplant. Those of you that are into agriculture, you ever heard of the term transplant shock? Transplant shock is a, is a real term. It's a biological process that occurs when a plant is being transplanted, but yet it doesn't have an established root system extensive enough to keep up with the needs of the plant. So oftentimes you can take a shrub or a bush or a tree or something, and you can transplant that one time, and it will go through a shock period. As a matter of fact, last year... Seeds Youth was over at our house and they blessed us and they came and they did some landscaping in our backyard and they planted a tree in our backyard, an apple tree in the corner of our yard. And let me tell you, that tree went into transplant shock. As a matter of fact, I thought it completely died, but it didn't. It look, mostly looks dead, but there's, some still, there, there's still some life there, <laughs> praise God. There's still some life but that tree went through plan, transplant shock. I remember um, a few years ago, we, we, this first house that we bought in Murfreesboro, 2012. And we were in this neighborhood that everybody, HOA, you know, uh, regulations, everybody had these same bushes lining the sidewalks in the neighborhood. And I remember thinking, 
I got to take care of these bushes because these are fresh bushes. They, you know, we bought the house. It was new construction. I got to make sure these things get good fertilizer. They got to get good water because they've just been transplanted. And so my bushes, they took root. Eventually, it took a long time for them to actually catch on. It took a couple of years for them to actually start doing what they ought to be doing. But I had some other neighbors in the neighborhood, they didn't take care of their transplanted shrubs. And they, you'd have like three good shrubs and then boom, one that was just, look, it looked like the burning bush except that... <laughs> Except the burning bush, it was on fire, but it never was consumed. This bush looked like it had been on fire, and it was completely consumed. Dead as a doornail. It, was, it went through transplant shock. And oftentimes, we get tempted in one area of our life or another, we get tempted to transplant. And we, we think there's, there's a variety of motivations to uproot and transplant. Maybe I want to transplant because I'm just seeking the path of least resistance. Maybe I'm in a situation that's uncomfortable. Maybe in a situation that's awkward. Maybe I'm in a situation where there's pressure, and I'm like, ah, I'm seeking the path of least resistance. I'm out, and I'm uprooting, and I'm transplanting. Maybe it's because I see something over in a different field, and over there in that field, man, that looks sexier over there. It looks more attractive over there. That's more exciting over there. I'm going to transplant over there. Sometimes we transplant because maybe we've just lost vision for where God planted us in the first place. And so we're kind of getting this, this mission drift, this vision drift, and we're not really sure. We've lost the vision of why God took us or, or planted us where he's planted us. And we think, man, you know, I'm just going to go over there. That over there looks better to me than where I am at now. I think I'm going to uproot and transplant over there. And I think that I'm making the right decision for myself. But what I don't realize is that I'm not allowing my roots to grow deep enough that my life bears much fruit that lasts. So what I'm doing when I do that, I'm actually hurting myself. We've had people... I've seen people throughout the years. I've been in ministry 19, 20 years, and I think 20 years now. Something like that. I don't know. And over my years of full-time ministry, I've seen people, they come in, they get really excited. Ooh, praise God, I feel called here. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. But then they never really plant. They're all excited, but they aren't willing to do the root deepening work. And what happens? Well, something else looks more exciting over there, so they go over there. And then something else looks more exciting, and then they go over somewhere else. And they're doing all this hopping around, and they're never planted where the Lord wants them to be. And because of that, they're not positioned to bear any fruit. They can't bear any fruit because their roots haven't grown deep. And so we think we're doing ourselves a service. We're like, oh man, that looks good over there. I know I can bear fruit over there. I'm gonna go over there. But what we're doing is we're doing ourselves a disservice. We're actually hurting ourselves and we're hindering the work that the Lord is wanting to do in us and then ultimately through us. So when, you, when the Lord plants you, 
Make the decision. I mean, this, this can apply to so many different areas of your life. Lord plants you in your marriage. Say, I'm staying here. I'm committed. Lord plants you in a church. You say, this is where the Lord planted me. I'm going to be committed to this house. The Lord plants you at a, at a job. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to weather this hard season right now. There's all kinds of things that this can be applicable to. And you say, yes, Lord, I'm committed. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I'm going to endure. I'm going to stay planted. I'm going to grow roots. I'm going to bear much fruit that lasts. Another thing we need to be aware of is the growth cycle of fruit-bearing plants. The growth cycle is this. The fruit comes at the very end of the cycle. We, we want to get planted and immediately go, all right, whew, let's bear some fruit. But we understand that that's sometimes going to take some time. The cycle starts with a seed being planted in the ground. And when that seed is watered, that seed then begins to break forth and a root starts to come out of the bottom of that seed. And as the roots begin to grow, then the seed develops a little sprout. And then it pushes up out of the dirt into the air and into the sunlight. And then as you begin to nurture and cultivate that plant, it begins to mature. And eventually it matures to the point where it produces really good fruit and lots of fruit. And then let's, I mean, we're not really, this is not really my notes, but there's also pruning this part of that process. If you want to really bear a lot of fruit for a fruit tree, you've got to do some pruning for several seasons before you get to that season where that tree is really maximized, producing really good fruit and lots of it. So both the plant and its root system, they keep growing till the plant strong, mature, and bear fruit. What's significant is that in order for the plant to survive, its root system actually has to take up more space underground than the plant takes up space above the ground. Years ago, I was in California with my family, and we went to a forest with all these sequoia trees. These trees are massive. Think of a tree that is as tall as a football field is long. That's like some of the average height for some of these trees. They're huge. And, and, you know, I know we've all seen video. We've all seen pictures of these giant redwoods and these sequoia trees. And that's cool. You kind of get an idea of, of, you know, how massive they are from that. But it's really not the same as seeing them in person. There is like an awe and shock and awe and wonder when you see these things for yourself in real life. Like, wow, this is amazing. It's kind of like church. Hello, Facebook Live. Hello, everybody online. We love you. We're glad that you're here with us, but you're missing out on church in person. There's nothing like it of being here, seeing it for yourself in person. So, yeah, you can clap for that. You're here. Um, if you're watching online, that was not, that was not, I'm not condemning you. I'm glad you're here, really. Um, but, these things, how many of you have seen these for yourself? Maybe you've lived in California, you've traveled out there. Okay, so a few hands are going up around the room. They're amazing. 
they, they had this one tree that they had, you know, cut a big section right out of the middle of it. You could drive a truck right through it. They had another tree that they cut down and the stump was so big, you actually had to, they had stairs that you had to walk up to get onto the stump. The, the stump was so big that you could square dance on it. Not just like four people, 20 people could square dance on the stump of this tree. That's how big it was. These things are amazing. They're massive. And what I, I didn't realize at the time was that when I was looking up at these massive trees, I didn't realize that I was standing on a root system that was wider than the trees were tall. The foundation of those trees were larger than the trees above the ground were that they were supporting. The level of fruitfulness in our lives is determined by the same principle. God plants the seed of the word of God inside of you. He waters it with his Holy Spirit, bringing it to life. He begins to give insight to you of who he is. He begins to give insight to you of who he created you to be and what he's called you to do. And then he births this desire on the inside of you to make an impact in the world. And he starts then to build a root system for that seed in your heart that will support then the visible and tangible tree above the ground, the visible and tangible ministry that he's called you to. Jesus is the vine, and he wants to graft you into himself as a branch, an extension of himself, and he wants to be connected with, connected with you so much to the point that you then begin thinking like Jesus thinks. And you begin speaking like Jesus speaks. And you begin to do what Jesus does. He's cultivating in you in this desire. And, and that's what it means to remain in him. That you're becoming like Jesus. And it's only when you remain in him is when you're going to produce much fruit that lasts. In order for you to produce abundant enduring fruit, God needs to make you bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Ian e. Bounds, who wrote volumes and volumes on the subject of prayer, he said this. He said, the man, God's man, is made in the closet. His life and his profoundest convictions are born in his secret communion with God. We have to submit to the Holy Spirit's process of building our inward root system in secret before he leads us to make this big, huge, visible impact in the world. If we look throughout the scriptures and we say, where are some good examples of this in the scriptures? Who are those who had lasting impact? We find that people were led by the Lord through seasons of preparation. He's growing their root system before the greatest season of bearing fruit. For Joseph, the season was about 13 years long. For Moses, Moses went, had, had to go into exile and go into the wilderness for 40 years, tending sheep and goats and flocks before the Lord said, all right, Moses, I've developed a root system in you. Now, now I want you to go to Egypt and lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. For Jesus, Jesus lived, Jesus, the Son of God, lived on the earth for 30 years 
developing intimacy with the Lord, with the Father, before he stepped into his public ministry. Jesus' ancestor, David, was 30 years old before he became king. Let's talk about David. Within his lifetime, he ushered in the golden age of Israel. He established a brand new culture of worship. Beyond David's lifetime, the promised Messiah came through his bloodline. Jesus is called the son of David and sits on the throne of David. The Psalms that David wrote became a central part of worship for the Jews and again later for all of us Christians. And in every single day for thousands of years now, millions and millions of people have quoted, have prayed, have worshiped and connected with God through David's words. That's much fruit that, that lasts. Finally, this, David was kind of a prototype of sorts. He was a prototype of a New Testament believer in the sense because of his unique understanding and intimacy with God. David had an intimacy with God that no one else in his generation seemed to touch, and he understood that God was more concerned about the heart He was more concerned about a pure heart than he was just a ritualistic sacrifice or a ritualistic offering. Well, I'm just going to do this because this is what I'm supposed to do. God says, no, I'm more concerned about a pure heart. And David's life has continued to make an impact throughout history. He bore lasting fruit that continues to this day and continues on into eternity. The cool thing is, is this. We can trace the moment where the seed was planted in David. The single moment where the seed was planted, God's seed, God's word planted in David's life. The moment took place when he was very young. Scholars say he could have been anywhere between 10 years old and 13 years old. That's young. Some of us in here, we got some 13-year-olds in here. I'm telling you what, God wants to plant the seed of his word in your heart that will make a difference that you will produce lasting fruit, much fruit that lasts. First Samuel chapter 16, we read about when the prophet Samuel, who is God's man over Israel, he wasn't the king of Israel, but he was God's prophet. He was God's man of, over Israel. He shows up to David's house, the house of Jesse, that's David's dad, to anoint the new king of Israel. And during the selection process, the Lord speaks to Samuel. And this is what the Lord says to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. He says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What's God saying? He says, I'm saying I'm looking for someone who's going to allow me to grow them on the inside before I grow them on the outside. God didn't want another King Saul. He already had that. King Saul on the outside looked like a king, behaved like a king. But King Saul didn't have the roots that went deep in the Lord and he didn't have the ability to shape the nation and and point the nation toward a culture of faithfulness to the Lord. God wanted a man 
who would establish the nation in a firm foundation to faithfulness to God, and that was David. So Samuel anoints David with oil. The Holy Spirit comes on David in power, watering the, the seed of God's word in him, causing it to grow, and from that point, God began to grow David's roots. And then a lot of years go by, and a lot of things happen, and a lot of water goes under the bridge, and only when that journey was complete, when David's roots were deep enough, did God's word over him finally come true. And David took the throne of Israel when he was 30 years old. God took somewhere between 17 and 20 years to let that seed grow roots, to let that plant grow and mature before the word of the Lord came true get him to bear this visible fruit. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look in this series and we're going to look at the life of David and look at this journey and see the different kinds of soils that David planted his heart in so it would grow the roots that needed to so that he would bear the much lasting fruit and have the impact on the world that God used him to make. Now I want to say this. In some ways... You know, earlier I was talking about being planted and the importance of planting and the importance of not, you know, uprooting and transplanting. But I will say this, in some ways and in some areas and for some of us, may not be applicable to all of us, but it's, this, this is relevant to some of us. We do need to uproot and transplant our hearts out of the wrong soil. Some of us, our heart is planted in the wrong soil, and we need to recognize that and say, all right, this, maybe, it's, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's the, 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 um, a, flesh, a desire of the flesh that you have. Maybe it's a dream that you're holding on to, and you're more concerned about the dream than the God of the dream. But wherever it is in your life, you need to uproot that place where your heart has develop those roots out of that wrong soil and put them in the right soil. We've got to have some paradigm shifts. We need to redefine success. You know, anyone can start the race. Anyone can walk up to the starting line and start. But the question is not how strong will you be when you start? The question is how strong will you finish? There are far fewer finishers out there than there are beginners or starters because finishers see what so many others don't see. They see God's version of success is infinitely superior than the world's definition of success. Some of us get hung up on short-term successes that really don't impress God whatsoever. We measure our success with metrics that measure popularity, that measure material success. People are looking at things like, well, Twitter followers or Facebook likes or uh, the amount of sales I had or the promotions or uh, my income or my grades or my scholarships or whatever it is. And while these numbers do show in some aspect the kind of success or impact that you're having in the world, they can't be our only measure of success. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with having a desire to make 
to, to have a life of significance or success. But what can be wrong is where we search for and how we define that measure of significance and success. That's where we miss it sometimes. Much of the church is looking in a direction and gazing in a direction that we have no business gazing in. Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we're not looking at the things that are seen, but we're looking at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but for the things that are unseen are eternal. So neither appearances or short-term successes impress God. That's not the fruit that he's looking for in your life. He's looking at your heart, and he's looking for fruit that lasts And when we stand before God someday at the end of our lives, the only thing that will matter is were our hearts aligned with the Father heart of God and did we produce much fruit that lasts? Determined, much fruit that lasts determined by God, not determined by the world standards. We want to live in such a way that one day we're going to get to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's success. That's the success that must motivate us to embrace his process of root deepening in our lives. Listen, wherever you are, wherever God has planted you, you can grow roots. We, we get the idea, we get this notion, we see What's going on over here? What's going on over there? Oh, man, that's more exciting. Or we've lost vision, or we're seeking the path of least resistance, or whatever it is, and we want to uproot and transplant and go over there because we think, over there, I'll I'll be able to bear much fruit. But I'm telling you, wherever you're planted now, wherever God has planted you now, you can start deepening your roots. That's how it was for, for David David was deepening his roots out in the field as he's tending to the flock. He's fighting off a bear. He's fighting off a lion. David's deepening his roots as he goes to fight Goliath. David's deepening his roots as he goes to serve King Saul, be a minstrel for him and serve him in his, in his, in his administration of his kingdom. And then when Saul turns on David, David continued to develop deep roots when he was in exile and he was hiding from Saul. And when he had multiple opportunities to end the whole thing and kill crazy King Saul, but he didn't because he's just submitting to the process and saying, Lord, you do the, deep, the deepening of my roots. And when the time is right, I'm going to bear fruit. Wherever you are, wherever God has planted you now, you can begin this process. Whatever job it is that you have, if you're at home raising babies, you can deepen your root system. Whatever school that you're in, God can deepen your root system. If you're faithfully serving in a, in a church of 200 people in, a, in your community, God can deepen your root system. If you're preaching to thousands of people overseas, God can deepen your root system. The point is, wherever God has planted you now, you can submit to the process of saying, God, yes, Lord, grow my roots deep. Strengthen what's underground so at the right time, what's above ground can bear much fruit. If you've missed past opportunities 
if you've wandered away from God or God's plan for your life, you can start over right now. It's not too late. Wherever you are, just let God begin cultivating in you the strong root system that he wants you to have. Wherever you are in the journey right now, today, make the commitment or reaffirm the commitment that you're already living to say, yes, I'm committed to the process. I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna choose to be planted and I will be a tree that bears much fruit that lasts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us right where we are. I pray, Holy Spirit, you give us a revelation of what it means to be planted. And for those of us that need encouragement, Lord, to stay planted right now in whatever area of our life it is that we're seeing somewhere else is more attractive or we're experiencing pressure or difficulty or maybe we've lost vision. God, I just, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you just breathe fresh life and fresh vision and fresh energy and and fresh endurance into us to stay planted. And Holy Spirit, I pray for those right now who have planted their hearts in some wrong soils, in some bad soils, and it's preventing them, it's preventing their roots from flourishing and growing deep and growing wide. And Holy Spirit, I pray you give people right now the courage to say, I'm gonna uproot where I've had my heart in some bad soil, some poor soil. I'm gonna get it planted in good soil. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You're helping us in this process. We don't have to do it alone, but we have your spirit to lead us and guide us through peace and through wisdom. I thank you for the community of people that you've planted us in. I thank you for the soil of community, God. That we don't have to do a lot of guesswork or discerning on our own, but we can discern together in community and in friendship with brothers and sisters linked arms beside us. Lord, I pray right now for those who need to take a step of strengthening their community. They need to grow their roots a little bit deeper into the soil of community. God, I pray you begin connecting them with the right people. God, give them the courage to take the first step that needs to be taken. Give them the the courage to say, hey, can we go to lunch? Can we go to coffee? And God, I think you're intertwining us. You're connecting us with one another to discern together what your Holy Spirit is doing in our community, what he's doing in our personal hearts, what he's doing in our families, what he's wanting to do in our church, in our city. But right now, we just we say to you, Holy Spirit, we are committed. 
I just want to encourage you right there, wherever you're sitting right there, where you are, in your own words, whispering under your own breath. Remember, uh, Psalms chapter 1 says that we are going to delight in the ways of God, and we're going to meditate it. We're going to say it out loud day and night. So right there, uh, under your own breath, say out loud, whisper to the Lord your own prayer of commitment right now. Just telling God, God, I'm committed to you. I'm in this. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to bail. Holy Spirit, develop within me a heart of perseverance, a heart of endurance. Give me spiritual grit, God, for the journey. Help me endure this season that I'm in right now, God. Lord, I pray for those right now who God... Pray for those who maybe had had abandoned ship at some point. Maybe they didn't completely walk away from you, God, but they've walked away in some way from, from your plan for their life. Lord, I pray that their heart would turn toward you right now, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I thank you. You're so kind and you're so generous with us that the moment that we draw close to you, that you draw close to us. Thank you that you don't play games of hide and seek, but yet you said, your word says in James, that when we draw close to you, you draw close to us. We thank you for that promise right now. We're coming close to you. We want what you want. We want to remain in you, God. We want to remain in you so that our lives bear much fruit that lasts. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.